How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. Today's episode focuses on the cover story in the November issue of EMS World entitled EMS Education in the Age of COVID-19 by Valerie Amato. Joining me today to discuss how we have been forced to rethink education during this unprecedented time is Mr. Jay Scott. Jay is the Executive Director of CAPSI, or the Commission on Accreditation for Pre-Hospital Continuing Education. Jay, it's a pleasure having you on with me. Thanks for joining. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. Thanks for having me. So how we deliver continuing education has certainly taken on creative forms, but how those classes and courses have to meet a standard is something that has not been thrown by the wayside either. So as we hop in, maybe, Jay, you can start by letting the listener know a little bit about CAPSI, what it is and what it does. CAPSI, by its mission, uh, reviews uh, and accredits continuing education programs for emergency medical services, as long as those programs and activities uh, adhere to our standards. And those standards include uh, a valid needs assessment, uh, interaction from a qualified medical director, uh, uh, content that's relevant and current uh, to the practice of, of, of EMS care. Um, in a delivery fashion that's that's uh, reliable and accessible by the EMS community that's backed up with references and uh, is uh, you know provided in a manner so that the EMS providers get credit for the time they spend training. So essentially, it's making sure that that standard is met and is upheld is is what I'm getting at from what you're telling me. That's correct. So we talk about this this you know, area we find ourselves in now with COVID-19. And a phrase that comes to mind for me is adapt and overcome. It is, you know, it's something that one of my dear friends and colleagues, Jennifer McCarthy from the simulation world, drove into my head the first day of paramedic school way back when. And I think it's so very accurate in our profession about the need to adapt and overcome to so many situations. But I don't think that it can be overstated as to how we have had to do that in this environment that we find ourselves in now, especially when it comes to, you know, recertifying, doing our continuing education, doing initial training, figuring out ways that we can get this done effectively, but make sure that we don't lose any of the content in the process. I agree. The days of being able to sit in a live classroom with a trusted, valuable instructor um, that knows you, that you know, um, who you can ask questions directly and get immediate feedback are probably gone. Um, so we have to rely on some pretty innovative ways to make sure that the student and the instructor can interact, hopefully in real time, although they're separated geographically, um, so that the, the, the most uh, important lessons can be taught and that EMS providers, the people that take those courses, can uh, interact with the with the instructor in, in real time. Yeah. And, you know, obviously during COVID, as we still continue with COVID, the fact is the focus initially was on patient and personnel care. You know, that was number one, the priority. 
And then as we started to level off in certain areas, it became very clear that we can't lose practice of continuing education and training. And what were we going to do to continue this? And as this started to unfold, I'm, I'm curious as to what your initial feelings were on this and how it was going to impact training and the standards that we've always had in EMS. Well, my, my first concern was that individuals meet their recertification deadline and get all the continuing education credits necessary. So we were lucky enough that the National Registry extended the recertification deadline. Most states did as well. Um, but there was still a deadline, and we thought that COVID was going to come and go within just a few short weeks, and that's not the case. And we learned pretty quickly that COVID's going to be around for a while, probably even longer than we expect now. Uh, so the deadline still loomed, and EMS practitioners uh, still needed to get their continuing education credits in, but they couldn't do it in a live fashion any longer. And and uh, what we were used to had to change. And so we needed to very quickly adapt. Uh, luckily, EMS practitioners are excellent at, at adapting and overcoming adversity. It's what we do. We're critical thinkers. We manage to overcome adversity every single day, every single call. Uh, so we're good at that, luckily. But the educational uh, format that we're used to needed to make a a dramatic change and, and really a dramatic evolution to something more technically real uh, that we just probably weren't prepared for when this first hit. Were you concerned, Jay, initially about the effectiveness of this new way of training and, and could it create a poor service quality, something that we're, we weren't used to? I mean, not everybody's technically savvy so or technologically savvy. So were you concerned about you know a possible negative impact from it? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you that a number of our accredited education providers have some uh, some very uh, interesting, innovative um, uh, delivery methods that if you have the, the right computer or the right mobile device and the right bandwidth and the right access, um, you could get some pretty interesting and uh, reliable training from them almost as if you were in, in, the, in the classroom at the same time with the instructor, again, although separated geographically. I think that uh, some folks, though, however, don't have access to that bandwidth and don't have access to mobile devices. And there are rural parts of this country where there are still counties in, the, in this country that don't have wireline 911 yet because they're still so rural. So how do EMS providers in those areas uh, get training out of the people that are in their EMT class that are used to showing up at the firehouse twice a week and on Saturdays to get their training. How do they continue their programs and, and not get left behind? Those are the concerns that in some places we're, we're still struggling with. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what is that looking like now? Are these are these folks able to figure out a platform to deliver this? Or is this something that is going to have a real negative impact on them as they move forward? You know, obviously for many, this is going to open up many doors, but for others, it could close them. Yeah, it's, I think it's had a negative impact on, on many of the rural programs that uh, probably don't have access to, to a lot of technology. It's also opened the opportunity for some interesting partnerships with uh, some of our accredited providers that have access to technology that can provide services for a smaller rural EMT um, uh, classes, uh, again, are held at, the, at a local facility. There are even some places in the country that I know of where you travel 90 miles one way just to get to class. 
you know, do that two or three times a week. That's, that's, that's quite a burden. So we have to be able to strike up partnerships with some of those technologically savvy uh, services that can help those rural communities get the training that they need. Yeah. Cause in, in the article, and, and this is a quote, you say, I don't think you can go back to the standards we had before. We're going to have to be even more reliant on this virtual world we've had to set up because of COVID. And I think that's a pretty telling statement. For me, it brings out a lot of positive in this, in the sense that, yes, we were forced to change. And let's be honest, in EMS, if there is one word that we are vehemently against, it's change. I think you would agree. But once we are able to process things, we can see that the change is good. And that statement coming from you tells me that there's been so many positives that have come out of this, probably things that we were on the horizon, but we never really thought we were going to implement them this quickly. That to me is a telling statement. Speak to me a little bit about that. Well, first, I think it's interesting that, that in EMS, we, we hate change. We like things to stay the way they are. And you know what was good a few years ago should be good enough now, but there is no profession uh, in the world that changes more often than emergency medical services. So we've we've had this educational evolution forced upon us. Um, and I think that now that we've we've gotten a taste of how to how to take a virtual refresher course, how do I complete all of my continuing education in a virtual environment? Uh, we've had a taste of that and some people have found out you know it's easier to do from home. I can still interact with my instructor. I can interact with people, 40 or 50 people at a time that are, that are separated geographically across the country. And maybe that's more interesting. And maybe that this evolution uh, is something that EMS practitioners are going to embrace and, and may want to shy away from the way we used to do things in a, in a non-technological format, sitting in a classroom to take a refresher class and listen to the same um, uh, lecture about infectious diseases that we listened to for the last three years or the last three refresher cycles. So I think this evolution is, is going to take hold. And I think in some ways it has to take hold. We have to be able to protect our practitioners. Uh, we have to be able to keep them safe and, and limit exposures to other people as much as we possibly can when they're not in their work environment. Yeah. And I think that there's uh, certainly a a number of intangibles involved as well. So, you know, in the virtual environment, there's the ability to bring in subject matter experts that might not have been able to participate in a live class. So you get the benefit of that, or you just have the ability to do some of this class and uh, some of these classes and some of this con ed while you're working that's a big thing. I've spoken to a few colleagues of mine who said it's very time consuming having to go to a live class, be away from your family. Now we have the time to do this at work during downtime and it's, it's time efficient. I think that that's a huge bonus with this. I agree. It's, it's, it's very difficult to ask someone who's worked a 12 hour, 16 hour, 24 hour shift uh, to take time away from their family during their off time to come back into the station and do continuing education. Uh, and I think a better model is that we can do our training while we're on shift, while we're doing system status management, using our mobile device or using a tablet PC and being able to get all of our credit done while we work. So we don't have to take precious time away from our loved ones. We don't have to miss the dance recital or the soccer game or uh, those things are extremely important. And if you want to keep EMS practitioners uh, 
um, involved in the field, if you want to keep retention up, then let them train while they work. Let them do their CE credit on the job in a mobile platform. It'll, I think it'll keep them happier. And I think it gives them more access to currently relevant information. If I see a patient that maybe I haven't seen in a long time, uh, maybe the patient's presentation was a bit confusing. Could I go online to an accredited education provider and find a course on that subject and study up on it in my ambulance immediately post-call? I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, and those are the kinds of evolutionary things that we need to, to take hold of. Those are the things I think we need to uh, um, encourage constantly and that I don't think should go away once COVID goes away. I think without question, you're spot on with that. I think that the ability to do this in a more virtual world works out for the provider. You know, quite frankly, that is working all the time. You know, EMS is is constantly out there. You know, many of them work m multiple projects. So to have the ability to do that in real time, I think serves a great purpose for that provider as well as their family. There's one other statistic that we had spoken about that I find fascinating, and I, I was wondering if you could speak about it, but prior to us getting on the podcast, we had spoken offline, and, and you told me that one of the stranger statistics that came out of training during COVID is the record number of providers that recertified, which you might think it would be the inverse during these times, but explain that to me. And, and the strangeness of during this time, so many people actually reserted rather than staying dormant and falling within this COVID restriction. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting um, idea that's come up. And the, the, the National Registry recently shared that a record number of people have recertified this year. Um, and I think there's a couple different reasons for that. One that the restrictions on um, having to have a number of, or a percentage of your continuing education hours being done in a live format have been lifted. So I can do more continuing education in a virtual format from home where I don't have to travel. I, I can you know stay in my house, I can stay with my family. And I think that's encouraged people to, to recertify that. The other thing that's kind of, unwritten and I think difficult to assess is that I think EMS providers, unlike most of the population of, of the nation, uh, run towards emergencies and they're they're willing to help. And when something comes up and they find that they're needed, I'm going to keep my certification because right now there's a lot going on and my ability to help people probably takes precedence. So when other folks run away from a disaster, EMS practitioner run, run towards it. And I think some of that is happening here that people are just motivated to help out in a, in a time of need. Uh, certainly the need is there. Certainly we've seen call volumes go up. Certainly ER volumes and hospital volumes are, are gone up in some places are just completely overwhelmed. Um, and in times of need, the healthcare system tends to lean on emergency medical services a bit. Um, we're going to ask them once a vaccine is available, we're going to ask them to provide vaccines for their communities um, because the hospitals and the private doctor's offices which won't be able to meet, meet the need. Um, so uh, I think those two things in, in, in concert have um, led to a record number of recertifications this time. And, and I hope that once, once COVID goes away, that trend continues. Uh, we certainly want to keep EMS practitioners involved in the field. Anything we can do to give them credit for the time they spend training, to keep them engaged, uh, to keep them interested, 
and let them do their credit while they work, uh, I think uh, improves retention um, and improves the quality of the education available to the average EMS practitioner. Jay, to those providers that are concerned that they are not going to get credit for the con ed that they've done, uh, I know you wanted to speak to, to that about being able to port over con ed credits, which is pretty cool. I wanted to afford you the opportunity to just speak about that so that maybe you could put providers at ease. Yeah, we, we at CAPSI have uh, spent some resources setting up a link uh, in conjunction with the National Registry. Uh, our two organizations have worked together and, and developed uh, an online, I guess an API, a portal, wherein if I've completed CAPSI accredited courses, I can log into my National Registry account and there's one button that says click here to import my CAPSI records. If I click that one button, everything that I've done that's accredited by us moves into my national registry file. Um, The last time I completed the manual entry process um, of recertifying at the national registry took me about, honestly, about 25 hours to put in everything that I needed to do to recertify. Uh, this last time I did it, being able to port my records over from CAPSI to the National Registry, it really only took me a couple hours to complete all of the documentation pieces I needed um, to maintain my National Registry certification. So that process of, of data sharing um, has sped up the recertification process. And those kinds of innovations are things that I know CAPSI looks for constantly. Um, we're considering other changes to the electronic interface that allow us to share even more data. Um, and I think the other thing you need to know is that a lot of our accredited providers report course completions to the CAPSI database in real time. And so literally you could take a course on most of our accredited providers and uh, log into your national registry profile within seconds, move that course record over to the national registry recertification file. Um, and though that innovation in itself has made the recertification process so much easier uh, that we hope that that process is keeping people engaged in the field and helping them recertify. Well, Mr. J. Scott, I certainly appreciate you coming on with us today and enlightening the listeners on all of the incredible things that CAPSI and NREMT and just the continuing education world is doing as we move through this unprecedented time. So thank you again for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. This has been great. And um, keep looking for other changes. I think there's more stuff coming down the road in the near future that uh, are going to help EMS providers um, recertify even faster. And I appreciate the time you've given me today and the chance to talk about the innovations we've seen during. Thank you so much, Jay. This has been another episode of EMS World Podcasts. Thanks for joining us. And remember to save the date and mark on your calendars now for EMS World Expo 2021, October 4th to the 8th in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll see you there. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 